chapter two of unicorns this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org unicorns by james hunnaker chapter two an american composer the passing of edward mcdowell whom the gods love admirers of edward mcdowell's sonata tragica may recall the last movement in which after a triumphant climax the curtain falls on tragic misery it was the very greek-like belief of mcdowell that nothing is more sublimely awful than to heighten the darkness of tragedy by making it follow closely on the heels of triumph this he accomplished in his first sonata and fate has ironically transposed to the life of its composer the cruel and tragic drama of his own music despite occasional days brightened by a flitting hope the passing of edward mcdowell has begun he is no longer an earth-dweller his body is here but his brain elsewhere not mad not melancholy not sunken in the stupor of indifference his mind is translated to a region where serenity even happiness dwells it is doubtless the temporary arrest of the dread mental malady before it plunges its victims into darkness luckily with the advent of that last phase the body will also succumb and the most poetic composer of music in america be for us but a fragrant memory irony is a much abused word yet does it not seem the very summit of pitiless irony for a man of mcdowell's musical and intellectual equipment and physical health to be stricken down at the moment when after the hard study of twenty-five years he has as the expression goes found himself and the gods were good to him too good at his cradle poetry and music presided he was a born tone poet he had also the painter's eye and the interior vision of the seer a mystic and a realist the practical side of his nature was shown by his easy grasp of the techniques of pianoforte playing he had a large muscular hand with a formidable grip on the keyboard much has been said of the idealist mcdowell but this young man who had in his veins scotch irish and english blood loved athletic sports loved like hazlitt a fast and furious boxing match the call of his soul won him for music and poetry otherwise he could have been a sea captain a soldier or an explorer in far-away countries he had the physique he had the big manly spirit we are grateful selfishly grateful considering his life's tragedy that he became a composer here again in all this abounding vitality the irony of the skies is manifest 
never a dissipated man without a touch of the improvidence we ascribe to genius a practical moralist rare in any social condition moderate in his tastes though not a puritan he nevertheless has been mowed down by the ruthless reaper of souls as if his were negligible clay but he was reckless of the most precious part of him his brain he killed that organ by overwork not for gain the money-getting ideal and this man were widely asunder but for the love of teaching for the love of sharing with others the treasures in his overflowing storehouse and primarily for the love of music he american as he was it is sad to speak of him in the past tense and in these piping days of the pursuit of the gold piece held steadfast to his art he attempted to do what others have failed in he attempted to lead here in our huge noisy city antipathetic to aesthetic creation the double existence of a composer and a pedagogue he burned away the delicate neurons of the cortical cells and to-day he cannot say pianoforte without a trial he suffers from aphasia and locomotor ataxia has begun to manifest itself it would be tragedy in the household of any man it is doubly so in the case of edward mcdowell he is just past forty-five years and there are to his credit some sixty works about one hundred and thirty-two compositions in all these include essays in every form except music drama symphonic and lyric concertos and sonatas for piano little piano pieces of delicate workmanship charged with poetic meanings suites for orchestra and a romance for violoncello with orchestral accompaniment as a boy of fifteen mcdell went to the paris conservatoire there entering the piano classes of marmontel it was in eighteen seventy six two years later i saw him at the same institution and later in comparing notes we discovered that we had both attended a concert at the trocadero wherein nicholas rubinstein the brilliant brother of anton played the b flat minor concerto of a youthful and unknown composer peter ilyich tchaikovsky by name this same concerto had been introduced to america in eighteen seventy six by hans von bulow to whom it is dedicated rubinstein's playing took hold of young mcdowell's imagination he saw there was no chance of mastering such a torrential style in paris or for that matter in germany it enjoyed lessons from teresa carreño but the beautiful venezuelan was not then the virtuosa of to-day so mcdell who was accompanied by his mother a sage woman and deeply in sympathy with her son's aims went to frankfurt where he had the benefit of carl Heyman's tuition he was the only pianist i ever heard who could be compared to our raphael josephi but his influences while marked in the development of his american pupil did not weaken mcdowell's individuality studies in composition under joaquin roff followed and then he journeyed to weimar for his baptism of fire at the hands of liszt that genial prospero had broken his wand of virtuoso 
and devoted himself to the culture of youthful genius and his own compositions he was pleased by the force the surety the brilliancy and the poetic qualities of macdowell's playing and he laughingly warned eugene d'albert to look to his laurels the music was in the very bones of macdowell and a purely virtuoso career had no attraction for him he married in eighteen eighty four marion nevins of new york herself a pianist and a devoted propagandist of his music the pair settled in wiesbaden and it was the happiest period of macdowell's career he taught he played as guest in various german cities above all he composed his entire evolution is surveyed in mr lawrence gilman's sympathetic monograph it was in wiesbaden that he laid the foundation of his solid technique as a composer i once asked him during one of our meetings how he had summoned the courage to leave such congenial surroundings in that half smiling half shy way of his so full of charm and naivete he told me his house had burned down and he had resolved to return home and make enough money to build another he came to america in eighteen eighty eight and found himself if not famous at least well known to frank van der stuken belongs the glory of having launched the young composer and so long ago as eighteen eighty six in the old chickering hall some would like to point to the fact that america was macdowell's artistic undoing but the truth is against them as a matter of musical history he accomplished his best work in the united states principally on his farm at peterborough new hampshire hardly one would imagine artistic soil for such a dreamer in tones but life has a way of contradicting our theories teaching i have learnt was not pursued to excess by macdowell who had settled in boston yet i wish there were sumptuary legislation for such cases why should an artist like macdowell have been forced into the shafts of dull routine it is the larger selfishness all this but i cling to it macdowell belonged to the public Josephi belongs to the public they doubtless did and do much good as teachers but the public is the loser besides if macdowell who was a virtuoso had confined himself to recitals he might not alas all this is bootless imagining he launched himself with his usual unselfishness into the advancement of his scholars and when in eighteen ninety six he was called to the chair of music at columbia the remaining seven years of his incumbency he gave up absolutely to his classes a sabbatical year intervened he went to switzerland for a rest then he made a tour of the west a triumphal tour and later followed the regrettable difference with columbia he resigned in nineteen o four and i doubt if he had had a happy day since that is until the wave of forgetfulness came over him and blotted out all recollections as a pianist i may only quote what raphael Josephi once said to me after a performance of the macdowell d minor concerto by its composer what's the use of a poor pianist trying to compete with a fellow who writes his own music and then plays it the way macdowell does it was said jestingly but as usual when Josephi opens his mouth there is a grain of wisdom in the speech macdowell's french training showed in his pianism in the velocity clarity and pearly quality of his scales and trills he had the elegance of the salon player he knew the traditions but he was modern german and slavic in his combined musical interpretation and fiery attack 
his tone was large at times it was brutal this pianist did not shine in a small hall he needed space as do his later compositions there was something both noble and elemental in the performance of his own sonatas at his instrument his air of preoccupation his fine poetic head the lines of which were admirably salient on the concert stage and his passion in execution were notable details in the harmonious picture like liszt mcdowell and his steinway were as the writer and his steed they seemed inseparable under the batons of nikish Garik, power and seidel we heard him and for once at least the critics were unanimous when i first studied the mcdowell music i called the composer a belated romantic a romantic he is by temperament while his training under roth further accentuated that tendency it is a dangerous matter to make predictions of a contemporary composer yet a danger critically courted in these times of rapid-fire judgments i have been a sinner myself and am still unregenerate for if it be sinful to judge hastily in the affirmative by the same token it is quite as grave an error to judge hastily in the negative so i shall dare the possible contempt of the succeeding critical generation which i expect and hope will not calmly reverse our dearest predictions and range myself on the side of mcdowell and with this reservation i called him the most poetic composer of america he would be a poetic composer in any land yet it seems to me that his greatest because his most individual work is to be found in his four piano sonatas i am always subdued by the charm of his songs but he did not find his fullest expression in his lyrics the words seem to hamper the bold wing strokes of his inspiration he did not go far enough in his orchestral work to warrant our saying here is something new he shows the influence of wagner slightly of grieg of roth of liszt in his first orchestral suite his hamlet and ophelia lancelot and elaine the saracens and lovely alda the indian suite and in the two concertos the form is still struggling to emerge from the bonds of the romantics of classic influence there is little trace but the general effect is fragmentary it is not the real mcdowell notwithstanding the mastery of technical material the genuine feeling of orchestral colour which is natural not studied there are poetic moods mcdowell is always a poet yet no path-breaker indeed he seemed as if hesitating i remember how we discussed brahms tchaikovsky and richard strauss the former he admired as a master-builder the latter piqued his curiosity tremendously particularly also sprach zarathustra i think that tchaikovsky made the deepest appeal though he said that the russian's music sounded better than it was grieg he admired but grieg could never have drawn the long musical line we find in the mcdowell sonatas the fate of intermediate types is inevitable music is an art of specialization the wagner music drama chopin piano music schubert songs beethoven symphony liszt symphonic poems and richard strauss tone poems all these are unique mcdowell has invented many lovely melodies that the indian duet for orchestra the woodland sketches new england idols the sea pieces to the sea is a wonderful transcription of the mystery and the salt and savour of the ocean will have a long life but not as long as the piano sonatas by them he will stand or fall 
mcdowell never goes chromatically mad on his harmonic tripod nor does he tear passion to tatters in his search of the dramatic if he recalls any english poet it is keats and like keats he is simple and sensuous in his imagery and a lover of true romance not the sham ecstasies of mock mediaeval romance but that deep and tender sentiment which we encounter in the poetry of keats in the magic of a moon half veiled by flying clouds in the mystery and scent of old and tangled gardens i should call mcdowell a landscape painter had i not heard his sonata music those sonatas the tragica heroica norse and celtic with their broad-coloured narrative ballad-like tone the heroic and chivalric accents epic passion and feminine tenderness the psychology is simple if you set this music against that of strauss of leffler or of w c but it is noble noble as the soul of the man who conceived it elastic in form orchestral in idea these sonatas which are looser spun in the web than lists will keep alive the name of mcdowell this statement must not be considered as evidence that i fail to enjoy his other work i do enjoy much of it especially the indian orchestral suite but the sonatas stir the blood above all the imagination when the dragica appeared i did not dream of three such successors now i like best the celtic with its dark magic and its tales of deidre and the great cuchulain this fourth sonata is as celtic as the combined poetic forces of the neo-celtic renaissance in ireland i believe mcdowell when so sorely stricken was at the parting of the ways he spoke vaguely to me of studies for new symphonic works presumably in the symphonic poem form of liszt he would have always remained the poet and perhaps have pushed to newer scenes but like schumann donizetti smetana and hugo wolf his brain gave way under the strain of intense study the composition of music involves and taxes all the higher cerebral centres the privilege was accorded me of visiting the sick man at his hotel several weeks ago and i am glad i saw him for his appearance dissipated the painful impression i had conjured up our interview brief as it was became the reverse of morbid or unpleasant before it terminated with his mental disintegration sunny youth has returned to the composer in snowy white he looks not more than twenty-five years old until you note the grey in his thick rebellious locks there is still gold in his moustache and his eyes are luminously blue his expression suggests a spirit purged of all grossness waiting for the summons he smiles but not as a madman he talks hesitatingly but never babbles there is continuity in his ideas for minutes sometimes the words fit the idea oftener he uses one foreign to his meaning his wife of whose devotion almost poignant in its earnestness it would be too sad to dwell upon is his faithful interpreter he moves with difficulty he plays dominoes but seldom goes to the keyboard he reads slowly and like the unfortunate friedrich nietzsche he rereads one page many times i could not help recalling what mrs elizabeth forrester nietzsche told me in weimar of her brother one day noticing that she silently wept the poet philosopher exclaimed but why do you weep little sister are we not very happy mcdowell is very happy and his wife is braver than nietzsche's sister one fragment of his conversation i recall with glowing countenance he spoke of the thunderbolt in his wonderfully realistic piano poem the eagle there had been a lightning storm during the afternoon 
then he told me how he had found water by means of the hazel wand on his new hampshire farm a real happening as i went away i could not help remembering that the final words i should ever hear uttered by this friend were of bright fire and running water and dream music the above appeared in the new york herald june twenty fourth nineteen o six and is reprinted by request edward mcdowell died january twenty three nineteen o eight end of chapter two